This episode of That's What G Said is brought to you by Sarah Candles. Visit sarahcandles.com, C-E-R-A candles.com and use the promo code GINO for 10% off your purchase. And cindycarava.com, full service realtor, Cindy Carava can help you with anything you need in the field of real estate. I've known her personally for over a decade. Get to cindycarava.com or send her an email, cindyc.realtor at gmail.com for any questions. On this episode of That's What G Said, we're going to talk about Milo. I am a, a new father, very excited to, uh, to share the story of my son with you. We'll talk some MLB and the Astros cheating scandal, NCAA football plays for the weekend, some horse racing news, and then we're going to go through the Del Mar Friday card, give you some uh, plays that we like Del Mar Friday. Sit back and enjoy this episode of That's What G Said. November 21st, 2019, before we get into the show, I gotta stop and say a happy birthday to my good friend Joey Cleveland, the man who wrote the theme song for That's What G Said podcast. Appreciate the the great job you did on that one, Joey. I've known Joey since we were 14 years old, Uh, been one of my best friends since freshman year of high school. We met in the summer in a soccer camp, and we played soccer together all four years, and it's funny when you think of uh, to think about Joey was like one of my best friends all the way through, and a lot of it was because I went to that soccer camp and we knew each other before. And I always wonder, man, if I wouldn't have gone to that, I wonder if had we been as close all the way through. But sometimes things just happen for a reason. And uh, I got to meet one of my good friends, and it's his birthday today. Happy birthday, Joey! Thank you for doing a great job on this theme song, and uh, I look forward to hanging out with you sometime soon again, folks. I am. I think as happy as as you could be right now uh, with the way things have gone for me for the last few weeks. If you have not been following me on social media, I'm, I know I'm sure I annoy you a lot with all the posts of of the that's what G said posts, and now I'm going to annoy you even more with the posts of my son Milo Nicola Bacola, who was born on Tuesday, November the twelfth at four nineteen p.m. weighed in at eight pounds two ounces twenty and a half inches. I was a someone who had a non-Hodgkin's lymphoma ten years ago in 2010, uh, 2009 years ago, I guess 2010. I was diagnosed with uh, with cancer, and because of uh, all of the chemotherapy, I had been told that I, lo- I had lost the ability to father children, and so I, I had it kind of um, I'd kind of I don't wanna say given up, but just not expected that to be a part of my life. I, I have a couple dogs now. Uh, I'm I have some uh, nieces and nephews. I just figured that maybe that wasn't the, the plan for me to to be a um, to be a dad, and that was not the case, folks. Uh, miracles do happen, and the world works in real mysterious ways. And I was very lucky uh, to meet the right girl. And when you do, everything just comes together. And I absolutely love Stephanie. And now we we have a family with little Milo. Our, the due date for Stephanie was on November the 4th And so he was uh, over a week late We had planned with our doctors to induce labor on November the 11th and Our plan was to call around 5 o'clock in the evening And then they would let us know in the next couple hours When we could come in and when we could start being induced And the the first phone call we, was at 5 o'clock And they told us, oh, we're full So uh, we'll call you back in a little while we had a little phone kind of phone tag back and forth with them. So we don't even end up getting into the hospital till 1030 on Monday night. And so those from five to 1030, we're definitely anxious. We're nervous. We're starting to worry. But Stephanie hadn't felt anything like no contractions, anything at all. So when we go in and we um, we get admitted to the hospital, we're over here in Long Beach. 
they give her p- pitocin for the contractions to try to uh, get the the labor started to try to induce and so overnight everything was going really well from you know 10:30 to about 7 in the morning all the check like every time we talk to the doctors and the nurses that are in there everything looks great Stephanie's up to 5 centimeters dilated so we're about halfway through and then it was right around 7 7:30 when things started to go the other way and it got scary uh, really quickly. Stephanie started to get a fever. So she's up at like 98.8, 99.5, uh, 100, 100.5. Then she's up into a, a 101. And so we're starting to get worried. And what made it even scarier was they have uh, the monitors around their stomach where you can monitor the the baby and the baby's heart rate. And so... Everything looked good on on Milo's heart rate until the the morning. Then things start going the opposite. His heart rate is dropping. We're seeing them it really drastically like dropping and then back up and dropping it back up. So they stop with the pitocin. They start with the pitocin again. They're not sure what to do. They keep checking on a few different things. And I could see that the doctors are coming into the room. And I'm not stupid. Like they're telling me everything's okay, but I could see it in their face that things were not okay. And now there's like five or six nurses in the room. We've got a couple doctors. They're all there. Like things are beeping. Stephanie's looking at me and I'm trying to tell her like everything's going to be okay. And I'm trying to keep a really strong, like dad, good, strong dad face on. And I was just devastated inside. I, I was convinced something bad was going to happen. Um, with my, with the, my health issues and the fact that I wasn't even supposed to be able to have a kid basically until he was out and crying and him and Stephanie were both good. I still wasn't sure this was going to happen. I really wasn't. And I just, you know, I I don't get too religious, uh, on, on this or I don't, I don't, you know, get very religious really in general anymore because I know everyone's got different beliefs and different things. This was, this was one of the first times in a long time where I've really like, like asked God for some help and said, please don't let anything happen. And please let Stephanie and, and Milo come out safe. And so when they, the doctors said, you know what, we need to do a C-section right now. His heart rate is really dropping. We said, absolutely. No, whatever you guys think. So they, they get Stephanie in, they get her set up. They, I, I'm in there in the room for the C-section. And I mean, I'm right before there's about 10 minutes where I'm having to text her dad and her brother and let them know that things aren't going very well. We're not quite sure what's happening right now. Um, I'm going to keep them posted and I'm just dying inside. Like I, I'm, I'm so worried and they bring me in and I'm in there in the room where he's having the C-section and it's, <laughs> Crazy how quick it was. I think it was like 10 minutes and then he's out and we hear him crying and he's fine and she's fine. And they find out that the reason why his heart rate was dropping and the reason why he wouldn't come out on his own, the umbilical cord was wrapped around his neck and it was getting really bad. And and just a few more hours, we don't know what would have happened. It might've, he might not have made it and, and Stephanie... Her body was starting to really um, get affected by his distress. And so it was not good for anyone. And I'm just so grateful to the the doctors and the nurses and everyone at, at Long Beach Memorial. They were incredible. And uh, we didn't have one nurse or a technician or doctor who was impersonal or who we did not like. For, and we, we were in the hospital for a week. So we were in our six days from Monday to Saturday, uh, I guess, you know, five, five plus days. Um, talk about crazy emotions from crying because I thought the absolute worst to 10 minutes later crying because of the best thing that's ever happened to me. And the greatest day of my life was, was November 12th and right around at 419 when I heard him crying for the first time. And, uh, and if you see the pictures of me on social media, I am just a mess. I'm sweating. I'm tears all over my face. It's been a really tough year for um, for Stephanie and and uh, and me and for our, kind of our families. Her dad has gone uh, has gone through some sickness. He's had like multiple cancers. Uh, doing better now, but she was in Texas for a while while she was pregnant in the hospital with him, sleeping on the bed next to him in the hospital. Uh, 
on a lesser scale, we something's something's wrong with my dad. It's been six, eight months. We don't really know what's the problem. He had a kidney stone, and then there was an infection. They thought there was something to do with the prostate, and they're still not sure what's going on. He's going and getting testing done all the time. He just has been miserable. And, you know, another member of our family, my good buddy Rolly, he's starting to slow down quite a bit. He's struggling. We have some times where he can barely walk around and move, and we're helping him. So it's been, you know, we're taking care of a lot of our family members, and it's been a lot of kind of sad and a lot of negative, and not not now. Um, this is an unbelievable blessing, and it's right coming up on Thanksgiving, and I'm I'm so grateful, and I'm so happy to be a dad, and we could not thank all of you enough. Uh, I posted, you know, pictures of Milo and everything on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. And a lot of times social media can be really negative, right? Like, especially for someone uh, like me or for so those of you who are out there who are gamblers or who are, you know, you who give out like selections or who give out, provide analysis for something because we're going to be wrong a lot. And there's going to be people that disagree with you and we're going to kind of fight and, and argue and, this was all positive and this is why and some of the reasons why social media is so incredible every one of your likes your retweets your posts your comments your text messages i promise you i saw them all every one of them they mean so much just the click one click of a button i and stephanie saw them and milo he he might not have saw them but we told him about it and he could feel the love just incredible to hear from all of you and some of uh, some of you are family some very good friends who I've known forever some are new friends people I went to school with people that I've worked with Stephanie's family Stephanie's friends people she's worked with people she went to school with but to be honest most of the people that I got messages from or that we received messages from were were people that I've never met in person and were people that are listeners to the show or that followed me when I was at TBG or at Elite Racing Network or f- uh, from the Mike Abadir show or from uh, you know the days when I announced football and basketball and baseball games and did play-by-play. So, so many of you I've never even interacted with in person, yet you still felt the need to reach out and say thank you and, and to show your support. And I love all of you for that. I really do. And I hope that all of you can one day meet Milo and uh, and get to spend some time with the with the miracle man here because he is been the best thing that's ever happened to me. So thank you all, and I really can't tell you enough how much we really felt the love. So now I get to work on being an annoying dad, which I mean that's going to be easy for me, right? Because like, I annoy the hell out of everybody. So. The, the first goal is I'm working on these song parodies to sing to him to just make him roll his eyes at me. I've got a few here. Uh, from, you know, in the Kelly Clarkson Stronger song, mainly they're lines. Mainly I've got little lyrical lines here. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger, getting a little higher. Me, myself, and my low. Me, myself, and my low. Okay, there, there's one. How about. Little Brandy and little Monica. Remember this one? The boy is Milo. Or about Neil Diamond. Milo, when I was young, I used to call your name. Our buddy uh, Matt Spy on Facebook. I got to give Matt credit for this one. He said, And I would lock 500 Milos And I would lock 500 more Just to be the man to walk a thousand Milos To fall down at your door Ta-da-ta-ta-da-ta-ta-da-ta-ta-ta-ta So, uh, yep, I'll be annoying my son forever Very, very excited to do so Okay, let's jump on into baseball Some bad Bad stuff going around with the uh, the Astros cheating. So I'm going to read through a couple of these articles. I'm going to read through a lot of the points. I'll kind of react as I'm reading through some of these articles that I've highlighted. First one is Jeff Passan on ESPN. And this was from a week ago on Thursday, November the 14th. Major League Baseball investigation into illegal sign stealing is expected to expand beyond 2017 Houston Astros 
and look into other teams, including the 2019 Houston Astros, to find out if they use technology to aid hitters. Former Astros pitcher Mike Fires told The Athletic that the 2017 Astros used a center field camera feed and monitor near the dugout to steal and relay signs. And this has rocketed the sport. And it's brought into question the methods used by people involved in at least the past three World Series. So the league is contacting people from both the Astros and the Red Sox organizations because the Red Sox manager Alex Cora was a coach. On the 2017 Astros The league will be interviewing AJ Hinch, Alex Cora, Carlos Beltran And also Craig Bjornsson Astros former bullpen coach Who joined the Red Sox with Cora in 2018 The year they won the World Series This is nothing new Like sign stealing has been going on forever In baseball I, I don't mind sign stealing I don't mind if one of your players is out at second base Is able to pick up and decode the signs I don't mind that I don't mind if your players share the signs with each other What bothers me and what frustrates everybody I guess in MLB is Taking it to the next step Using people in the stands Using people in the bullpens Using people throughout the ballpark To film, to record And then to relay that information in That's that's out of hand and that's way too much The league investigated the Red Sox in 2017 For the illegal use of an Apple Watch And if the league can provide wrongdoing with the Astros, the severity could be unlike anything seen in the sport's recent history. Rob Manfred has issued a huge penalty. Uh, These are a couple of the penalties that Manfred has issued. $2 million fine and the forfeiture of two draft draft picks by the St. Louis Cardinals in January 2017 for a scheme in which they stole scouting information from the Astros' computerized database. Cardinals scouting director Chris Correa, he was banned from life from baseball and he went to prison. Former Atlanta Braves GM was banned 10 months for lying about the team's circumvention of international signing rules. 2016 Red Sox were barred from signing international players for a year after running afoul of signing bonus statutes. And this is different now because before 2019, baseball instituted new rules to clamp down on illegal sign stealing. Unsanctioned cameras between the foul poles were outlawed. An 8-second delay on in-house camera feeds mandated. And an official sat in replay rooms Off the dugout to monitor teams trying to prevent cheating Mike Fires Blew the whistle on the Astros Because he didn't like getting lit up By the Astros last year when he was a member of the A's Said the Astros received the feed near the dugout They decoded the sign Flashed by the catcher And if the sign was for an off-speed pitch Hit a trash can to signal that the hitter To the hitter that it wasn't a fastball Stealing signs has been A part of baseball forever But it has been limited Two players at second base picking the sign and signaling hitters through slight prescribed movements. The use of technology is widely considered beyond the pale and has left the sport facing questions that could strike at the heart of the sport's integrity. Carlos Beltran said he's not aware of the camera. But in the 2019 American League Championship Series, the New York Yankees called the league to report whistling from the Astros dugout during Game 1. I posted on social media There are some videos that are absurd That show the noises, the whistling And this is not Teams have complained about it The Red Sox, the Indians The Yankees The Athletics And the Dodgers have all experienced this now And those teams have all commented on it They knew something was going on Remember how they said that they you Darvis was tipping his pitches Well that's one thing But if you knew the pitches that are coming before That's a completely different story Clayton Kershaw We talk about how he's a he's been a bum in the World Series Right? Well what if in 2017 Go back and look at how, how he pitched early in the series Game 1 The games at Dodger Stadium he was good You know when he was bad? At Houston where they were playing some Podunk crap like this As a Dodger fan Am I pissed off? Absolutely Because I don't know what the severity of this is And I don't know Did this cost the Dodgers a World Series? Did this cost the Yankees getting to the World Series multiple times? It sure could have The Dodgers lost in a 7 game series You're telling me 1 or 2 small things go differently in the previous games? They they couldn't win that, that World Series? Sure they could Now do I want the league to go back and retroactively change it And make the Dodgers a World Series champions And we're going to have a Dodger parade uh, Right down uh, LA No but the, the, but the Astros should be penalized for this 
And it's it's the most frustrating because we see the teams and the players that cheat. This is very similar to, to reminding me of, of steroids, right? I don't care if everybody's doing it if they're not. From what I've read, from the investigations that I've done, there are looks like seven to ten teams that are involved in this kind of stuff. But I nobody taking it to this level with the cameras, with the relaying the information like that. You look at A-Rod. And Clemens and Bonds, who, you know, took steroids. They were so great before the steroids. That's why I got, why did you needed to take it just to keep up with everybody else? So then where, how do we know? How great were they before? When did they start with the steroids? Was it earlier on? Was it, I don't know. I feel the same way with this Astros team. They're so good. They didn't, they don't need to pull this crap. It's like the Patriots, right? The Patriots are incredible. But they are also an organization that has been involved in cheating. And I don't I think the Patriots are, are one of the best teams and they have an incredible coach and they have Tom Brady. I don't think they win all the time because they cheat, but we see that it's it's generally the really good teams and players that are cheating. So how, now if we look around, what how much stuff is going on that we don't know about? An Astros front office executive wrote about the team's desire to steal signs in an August 2017 email that was obtained by The Athletic. The executive asked the team's scouts to pursue sign stealing from the stands and suggested cameras could be used to do so. One thing in specific we are looking for is picking up signs coming out of the dugout. We are looking for how to how much we can see, how we would log things if we need cameras, binoculars. So go to the game, see what you can or can't do, and report back your findings. That email was sent to multiple people and provided to The Athletic. Major League Baseball declined to comment on the legality of scouts using cameras. There's a rule that prohibits electronic equipment from being used for the purpose of stealing signs or conveying information designed to give a club an advantage. There was a story that came out detailing the scheme that the Astros used involving a center field camera at Minard Maid Park that was fixed on catcher signs. Scouts discussed sign stealing with the executive outside of an email as well on phone calls and in a group Slack channel. Multiple Astros scouts said they were appalled by the possibility that they would be asked to use a camera. And he said there were mixed feelings, a generally confounded feeling amongst the group. Nobody wanted to do that and take a chance of getting caught and ruining their reputation. Just mentioned that this happened to the Cardinals and that Correa was banned from baseball This is an article from The Athletic From Ken Rosenthal and Evan Drellich That I've been reading So the, the sources that I'm using here Are the, the Jeff Passan from ESPN And then Ken Rosenthal And, and Evan Drellich from, from The Athletic It just goes to the story for 2017 we were, at electron, we were asked to electronically cheat in the playoffs One scout said of the long-term intent MLB rules made it permissible then and today for scouts to steal signs in the stands as long as they are not being communicated during that same game. The potential use of the camera could have been a rule violation in 2017. A longtime scout outside of the Astros organization said that across the sport, asking advanced scouts to attempt to to track signs is not uncommon, but the use of the camera was what stood out to both. When you start bringing in help, That's BS, and that's when it crosses the line, and that's when it's unacceptable. That's a quote. That's not me saying that's BS, but it is BS. There's a gray area, but I think cameras are past the line. It's cheating, basically. I don't know if it's cheating, cheating, but it's over-the-line cheating, quote. During the 2018 playoffs, the Indians, the Red Sox, separately discovered a person connected to the Astros named Kyle McLaughlin taking pictures near the dugout. MLB investigated and said it found no wrongdoing. Okay, so now we have the Red Sox, the Indians, the Yankees, the Athletics, the Dodgers, who have all made comments or mentions or discussed the fact that they thought the Astros were cheating. If that many teams feel that way, something's going on, right? Major League Baseball said they're in the midst of gathering facts. This article was from November the 14th, so this was a week ago. The most updated... Information now uh, Actually this is This is on Saturday so um, Kind of just a, a little bit more Astros of- officials um, Official asked scouts to spy On opponents dugouts leading up to the 2017 Postseason Those who received an email from Kevin Goldstein A special assistant to Astros GM Were intri- Some were intrigued by the idea Others were bothered by the thought 
Goldstein did not return a message seeking comment. One thing in specific, we know uh, he wrote in the email. One thing in specific, we are looking for picking up signs coming out of the dugout. We need to know if we need uh, cameras, binoculars, etc. MLB is investigating now even more. Quote, technology and stealing info is going to be the black eye of this generation, one longtime Astros employee said. So the Astros players are not even cool with this. They're, They're blowing the whistle. They don't like when they go to other teams that now the cheating is against them. Sign stealing has long been a part of baseball, supported by players and scouts alike, particularly runners on second base eyeing the catcher's signals and relaying them to the batter. The use of cameras to do so is regarded as unethical by many, and due to recent rule changes, is codified as illegal by MLB. During the 2018 postseason, Kyle McLaughlin, an Astros baseball operations staffer, was removed from the camera wells next to the dugouts of the Indians and Red Sox during the postseason after he pointed his cell phone into the dugout. Astros GM said that they were running a counterintelligence operation against the teams to ensure they were not cheating. Ha! That's a load of crap. We're just making sure they're not cheating. We're not cheating. No, no, no. Crap. Ron Manfred says he believes the sign-stealing scandal has engulfed the sport and it's only the Houston Astros, which I don't. I think there are between five and ten teams. I think the Astros are doing it the, the worst and maybe the most uh, sophisticated system relates to the integrity of the sport. Uh, Manfred said, I have no reason to believe it extends beyond the Astros. He said that he can give out any discipline that he wants beyond the standard fine and draft pick penalties if necessary. He says he hopes that the investigation is done before they start playing baseball again. The fear among a number of top executives is that the practice of technology-driven sign-stealing has become commonplace in the game and that the Astros case will serve as a litmus test for Manfred's ability to clamp down. Any allegations that relate to a rule violation that could affect the outcome of a game or games is in the most serious manner. It relates to the integrity of the sport. In terms of where we are, we have a very active, what is going to be a really, really thorough investigation ongoing. But beyond that, I can't tell you how close we are to done. There's a lot going on here. There's a lot of teams who have a right to be upset. A lot of players who have a right to be upset. I don't think anybody, like some people go, oh, big deal. They knew they knew what's happening. So if they know what's going on, what if you bring a pitcher up that gets lit up by Houston that gets sent back down to the minors? What about players whose entire careers are going to be shaped on their postseason struggles when they might not have been legitimate struggles? Clayton Kershaw wins a World Series that year. Nobody's talking about Kershaw as a playoff choker. You Darvish has been a shell of himself since that happened. As a fan, I just want to see the best. I don't want the Dodgers to be the World Series champions from 2017, but I want to find out if there's more teams doing this, and I want those teams to be to be punished. Because the Astros now, we talk, we, oh, it's such a great organization. They've done so great. Look what's happened the last few years. They had Yuli Gurriel making racist comments. They signed Osuna, who is... Marred with controversy Then this year They made a a female reporter Very uncomfortable by praising Osuna And then they lied And then they tried to get that female reporter Like fired from her job And threw her under the bus And then this happens I mean we're talking Not a lot of institutional control over there Some definite changes need to be made I don't care how good you are and, And how much you win Well let's talk about one of our sponsors For That's What G Said Podcast Sarah Candle Company, C-E-R-A Candles.com is the website, SarahCandles.com, and their goal is to create a candle 100% natural, clean burning, and of the highest quality that everyone can enjoy. I know Tyler Herringer, who created Sarah Candle Company very well. He was a year younger than me in grade school, known him in the family for years, and I've burned a few of these Sarah Candles myself. They are awesome. They smell great. They are natural and let me tell you why they're the best soy wax free from toxins found in paraffin wax which is used by a lot of the other leading brands the all natural soy wax actually holds the scent better and it can burn up to 50% longer than the traditional paraffin wax candle the wicks 100% lead free cotton wicks completely natural scents they are made in micro batches they're hand poured to ensure the highest quality 100% locally sourced 
and handcrafted in the USA. 25 different scents, flavors available, three different sizes, fragrance oils that are infused with natural essential oils. They have the best ingredients, quality packaging, affordable pricing, longer burning, no toxins, carcinogens, and pollutants that are present in paraffin wax. Now, remember, Like anything, we got to take care of our candles. There are instructions and there are details on the bottom of each of your candle and on the website on how to keep your candle clean and ensure the perfect burn. You want to make sure to continue to trim those wicks. You don't want to burn your candle all the way down to the very end when it looks like there's about a quarter of wax left. That's when you probably want to move on, toss the candle, and then get your next one out. Sarah Candle Company was created by people who love candles. They started out experimenting, trying to create the perfect candle, and now they have blossomed in to a company, Sarah Candle Company. Through research, they were able to discover the benefits of all natural soy wax. This is a perfect gift for someone in the holidays, maybe uh, your friend, your family member, someone who you just weren't quite sure what to get. Tons of different scents, as I mentioned, 25 and 3 different sizes. And if you use a promo code GINO, G-I-N-O, you get 10% off your entire purchase. So don't forget that promo code G-I-N-O for 10% off your entire purchase. SarahCandles.com, C-E-R-A, Candles.com. Sarah means wax in Italian. So you know, as, as an Italian here, I stamp Sarah Candle Company with my approval. SarahCandles.com. 10% off. Use the promo code G-I-N-O. College football week 13. Before we move forward, let's go back in time a little bit. So we didn't, I didn't record a a podcast last week. I think, I think we had a pretty legitimate excuse with the the birth of, of our son. So we had no college football plays, no NFL plays. I'm completely transparent with you on here. Everything that I play, I tell you, I didn't make a bet because I didn't do my research. I will never make bets if I don't do the research. I need to take the time to go back, watch the games, and uh, do my handicapping, look at some of the advanced numbers, look at some of the statistics, and then I can come to my conclusions. Look at the line movement, see how things have gone, um, where did it open, where's the money coming in. College has been a struggle this year. We've done great in the NFL, but it's been really tough to get on track in college We finally had a good week in week 11 And that one week alone Gets you right back up to 500 In week 11 we were 5-1 and We had Baylor minus 2 against TCU With a win Minnesota plus 7 against Penn State That was a win We had Oregon State plus 10 against Washington State That was a loss We had San Jose State plus 7.5 That was a win And we had LSU plus 6.5 And LSU Moneyline against Alabama Those were both wins So we went 5-1 And and we were able to get up to 17-17 and overall and which is nice, we have a couple money line uh, wins in there, so a um, little better than 500, but feels feels great just to get back there after a couple struggling weeks. The new college football rankings are out, and how about the Trojans sneaking into the top 25? Trojans are 23. They are one of just two teams in the top 25 with four losses, and they've quietly had a actually a decent year. It's It's just disappointing because you look at their losses, they're really not that bad of losses, but they they could have they could very easily be like 10 and 1 right now. Very very easily. They lost to Oregon, to Notre Dame, at Washington and at BYU, and they beat Utah who's currently ranked number 7 in the country. And USC could have won any of those games Remember they started three different quarterbacks this year So for as much crap as I do give Helton, Clay Helton Who's a, an awful coach, a great guy But just a, a miserable coach I think Graham Harrell has done An uh, incredible job with this offense To be able to win games With three different quarterbacks So the Trojans, if they can get a victory Over UCLA, hey, they're up to uh, They're up to 8-4 and four on the season but please, please, Mike Bone, new USC athletic director, don't let this say, oh, you know what? SC didn't have that bad of a year. Well, let's bring Clay Helton back again right now. I, even if I don't care if you bring in Urban Meyer or not, I've been on record and not being a huge fan of Urban Meyer. Not, not, a, not because of his coaching skill. Urban Meyer is an excellent coach. It's because of everything that comes around with the coaching, the baggage, the players getting in trouble, the players getting arrested. I'm not sure if that's going to be that would, that would be a great fit out here at USC in Southern California with LA right there. USC needs to make a change, though. 
And it's crazy that they're in the top 25 LSU is one Yeah, LSU Coach Ed Orgeron Remember the coach that USC said was not good enough to be their head coach? There was an incredible video I watched over the weekend of Ed Orgeron Talking about how when he was not named the head coach for USC That was one of the worst days of his life He was USC through and through He bled Trojan He was an incredible recruiter The players loved him A lot of faculty and staff loved him But the people making the decisions Who had never hired anyone before Thought that he wasn't quite a USC guy Well you know what Trojans You were damn wrong Because LSU is the number one ranked team in the nation right now They are the best team in college football They are deserving of that accolade And they just beat Alabama a few weeks ago And barring some setback They're going to be in the college football playoff And that's Ed Orgeron That's what he's done The guy who wasn't good enough for you USC LSU's one, Ohio State's two, Clemson's three, Georgia's four, Alabama's five. It can't really mention Alabama without talking about the, the Tua injury. Such a bummer for Tua, who was projected to be, you know, your number one overall pick and one of the or one of the very top picks. Projected to be right at the top, depending on who has the top pick. We were hearing discussions of people, teams tanking for Tua. He looked like a franchise type quarterback. They were up 35-7. Tua had scored on all five drives in the uh, in the Alabama game, and he had a dislocated hip. He could not put any weight on the right side. He was screaming in pain. Now the surgery has been done. Everything reportedly came out well. He can resume activity in three months. He should be throwing by spring. We never know. You never know how someone's going to recover. This could cost him millions and millions of dollars. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe he's fine. But Nick Saban was in tears at halftime He mentioned that it was supposed to be his final drive They were up 35-7 And he wanted to run the 2 minute drill Well You might have uh, Impacted one of your best players ever's future Okay let's get to our plays for the week 17-17 and 17, let's, uh, let's improve on that 5 plays for you this week Actually 5 games, more like 7 plays Because in a couple of games I have 2, two uh, double plays So Utah State versus Boise State Utah State is at home there Plus 9 This is a battle tested Utah State team They played Wake Forest, San Diego State And at LSU this year So playing against a good Boise team Is not going to shell shock them Utah State has a chance to tie for the division in here This is a big game for them They have a good junior quarterback I say good because he was incredible last year But he's been very disappointing this year But he still has a high ceiling And he still has a ton of talent That's Jordan Love He could step up and win this game for them But I think it's going to be close I think they keep it within a touchdown I'm taking Utah State plus the 9 is my first play Play number 2 West Virginia I think you can find West Virginia out there um, 6.5-7 Obviously if you can find the 7 Take it, I like that uh, six. I'm okay with West Virginia at anything down to six. So six and a half, seven. I'm fine with plus the six and a half, plus seven at home. They're playing Oklahoma State, and Oklahoma State's a team that's going to pound the run, which I mean, which means the clock will continue to run, and it'll probably be a low-scoring game. West Virginia is coming off a really tough stretch. They played three of their last four on the road. They played at Oklahoma, at Baylor, Texas Tech, and then at Kansas State. Now back home. I like West Virginia quite a bit in this spot So we're taking West Virginia See if you can get that plus 7 I'm okay with 6.5 I didn't want to take anything less than plus the 6 there That's the second play of the week Third play, Texas A&M Plus 13.5 versus Georgia Georgia's coming off a big win against Auburn They are the number 4 ranked team right now So they are currently in the college football playoff I think they might be looking ahead To an SEC championship game A couple weeks down the line Which will basically be their play-in game To get into the playoff And Georgia's offense Has not been firing on all cylinders lately Their last 5 games They've scored 21, 27, 24, 21, and 17 And they're favored by 13.5 here I don't know if they're going to score enough to cover this So we're playing Texas A&M plus the 13.5 against Georgia Fourth play And in these final two plays We'll be playing the spreads and the money line Texas plus 6.5 at Baylor Both of these teams blew games last week Baylor was up in Oklahoma Texas blew the game uh, against Iowa State Basically a penalty really just killed Texas on the final drive Tough losses gave Baylor, Kind of knocked Baylor out of national title contention and these teams are just used to playing close games Texas is 
Six of their last seven games decided by 10 points or less. The Baylor offense went cold, late. I think Texas can win this game straight up. I think Texas is just a better team than Baylor. And I haven't been really impressed with Baylor, even when we played them against TCU and watching some of their victories. So let's go Texas in here, plus the six and a half and Texas money line. And then our final play, uh, final plays will be San Diego State at Hawaii. San Diego State plus three. Hawaii is a terrible home favorite. They're one in four this year against the spread. If you expand it over the last couple years, it continues to be equally as bad. Hawaii used to be a tough place to go play. That's not the case anymore. They don't have a defense. They go up and down the field. They're not that well coached. I think Hawaii is a they're a fun team to watch, and these games are good at the end of the night, but San Diego State can win this game straight up. That's a good football team. So San Diego State plus three and the money line. So here are the plays one more time. Utah State plus nine. West Virginia, I'm okay with anything over plus six. Look for the best that you can get there. Seven would be great. Texas A&M plus 13 and a half. Same thing. I mean, if you can get this up at 14, that would be huge. But anything over 13 is fine by me. Texas plus six and a half and the money line. Same thing with Texas. I don't want to take less than six. I want the six, six and a half, or seven with Texas. And we're taking the money line. And then San Diego State plus the three and the money line. So seven total with the two money line plays. We're trying to improve on the 17 and 17 overall record so far this season. Those of you listening to the the football plays, I imagine you are probably someone who who bets a game or two, and maybe you play some fantasy football or some fantasy sports. I play fantasy football, baseball, basketball. Um, Love daily fantasy, love year-long fantasy, and I'm very happy to be working with a new daily fantasy app for prop bets. It's called Thrive Fantasy. Do me a favor right now. Go download this Thrive Fantasy app, free to download. When you deposit 10 bucks, use the promo code GINO, and you'll get a $10 bonus and I get a chunk of that money right back to me. So you're getting a free 10 bucks, and you're helping put money right into my pocket. Thrive Fantasy is daily fantasy for prop bets. So if you like prop betting, this is perfect for you. But remember, that promo code Gino is key. The $10 deposit and the promo code Gino. Thrive Fantasy is not a traditional salary cap format. You build your lineup around a list of prop bets. So they have 20 prop bets for each weekend. You pick 10 of them, and that's your lineup. And on the prop bets, each of them has an over and an under and a point value assigned. For example, will Tom Brady throw for over 100, 250 yards? One of them will say over 100 points, under 80 points. So if it goes under and you pick under, you get those 80. If it goes over and you pick over, you get the 100. You select your 10 Prop bets, you select two in case of emergency picks that protect you from any late scratches or from any postponed games. Each prop has an over and an under point value. So if you have any questions, you can let me know. I always investigate all the sponsors before we we start to work together with them. So I've played uh, Thrive Fantasy a bunch. You can see me on there as that's what G said. What I wanted to make sure is I won a couple contests and then I withdrew the money because with a lot of new sites up and coming, you're always curious. If I deposit money, am I going to be able to get my money back? Yes, I was able to very easily and quickly withdraw the money right into my PayPal account. I trust Thrive Fantasy. Promo code GINO will give you a $10 bonus credit when you deposit at least 10 and you're helping put another dollar right back in my, uh, in my pocket and you're, uh, you're helping feed little Milo. I got a mouth to feed now. Okay, mouths to feed, folks. So help out Thrive Fantasy download. If you like to play DFS, you'll love this, and you get a little bonus by using the promo code Gino ten dollar bonus. Let's get into some of the horse racing news. Uh, some quick hitters: Breeders' Cup Juvenile Philly favorite runner-up Donna Veloce might run December the seventh in the Grade One Los Al Starlet. Bellafina, also a really nice Simon Callahan trainee, will be pointing to the Grade 1 La Brea, which is generally on opening day at Santa Anita on December the 26th. The owners of Maximum Security, they will appeal the dismissal of the DQ. You know, I, I, I feel like it's just gone on a little too long. I understand that they're they're frustrated. They felt like they were wronged with the disqualification. 
Um, I disagree. I thought the disqualification was was an actual foul. I thought maximum security should have come down. I think regardless, it's gone on a little bit too long because I just don't know if they're going to make the change. And then what you do is you kind of start frustrating a lot of the stewards, like a lot of people that you do business with. So I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. Maximum security will be pointing to the cigar mile on December the 1st. He's trying to win a three-year-old Eclipse Award. If he wins that race, he, he's right there in the mix. There's a really unfortunate story uh, going around about wage theft from a lot of the New York trainers, and in particular, Chad Brown and Linda Rice. There have been some rules that have been changed about um, wages in the morning to the backside work, backstretch workers to um, the overtime rules. And I think when you, if you read through, there are a lot of, of trainers that are mentioned, and there are a couple of them where I genuinely think that it might have been some kind of an accounting error. It, it doesn't seem like there was a lot and only a few employees and not a ton of money. But when you're talking about dollars $100,000, $200,000, $300,000, $500,000, some of the things that were discussed that these trainers um, made some of their employees do, like Chad Brown, for example, who we praise as one of the greatest, and he's a phenomenal trainer. But having employees from out of the country have to pay you for visa stuff, um, and we're talking about valets, grooms, hot walkers, exercise riders. These people work their Asses off They work so hard This is not an easy job to just show up and do They are This is labor all throughout the day You're mucking stalls You're literally taking care of Huge animals That are worth millions and millions of dollars And these are the people that you're screwing out of money The people who take care of your horses every day You would have no operation I don't care how good of a trainer you think you are If you don't have a staff That can help you that can get your plan and your point across You're nothing And so I, I'm so disappointed in, in seeing something like this where Because I, I'm someone who I know some trainers very well My ex-girlfriend was a trainer I've been involved um, with Owning horses before And what, what happens is The smaller barns They do a lot of the work themselves So that way they don't have to pay other people and if you're someone who's not doing that work yourself, you better be paying somebody else. This is, yeah, this is really, um, I don't like this one bit. Especially for some of the big barns who have zero excuses with as much money that they make, as much horses as they run with their owners, the money that the owners have. Not a big fan of this wage theft from the New York trainers. Joe Talamo is going to be moving his uh, tack it's sad because of the the state of affairs in Southern California racing right now. You have trainers and horses and jockeys and owners taking their taking their stock or taking themselves elsewhere because there's more race dates, there's more races, there's better purses, there's more money to be made. Talmo is going to go to Oaklawn and then he's going to ride in Kentucky in 2020. And I don't have a problem with this You look around Joe was one of the top riders for a while And now the horse population has gone down and down and down And he's just getting less opportunities He is a very hard worker I can tell you from experience That some of the summers when I was down in Del Mar And everyone's, when people are out partying and drinking late That is not Joe He is asleep early He's up early in the morning working the horses He is a, a model Of consistency as far as with his work ethic And now I just I hope Joe gets some opportunities Because he I, I like him a lot Not only is he a good rider But I, I've had the uh, the privilege of Hanging out with Joe sometimes He's a great, great guy Absolutely love him And uh, Elizabeth Talamo Great family So I'm, I'm always wishing the best for Joe Just win a couple races For uh, a couple big barns there And you'll be uh, you'll be in good in no time So keep an eye on Joe Talamo Moving to Oaklawn and Kentucky in 2020 Speaking of moving, Sire California Chrome will be moving to Japan. From from as far as a, a Sire standpoint, I'm just not sure how Chrome will be if Chrome will be very successful because not because he wasn't a great horse on the racetrack, he was an awesome, incredible horse on the track. He just doesn't he didn't have much of a pedigree himself. So when we're talking about his bloodlines and his you know Sire and Dam and Grand Dam and everything, we're not talking about regal royally bred horses or or 
just regal royal bloodlines. I think the jury's still out on California Chrome. It's just a bummer when we lose some of our very good top sires because we want to see a lot of California Chrome babies running around here and we won't see as many now uh, with him moving to Japan. Japan needing to fill a void with some of their top sires recently passing away. Deep Impact, one of them. I always thought that Thanksgiving weekend was kind of an underrated horse racing weekend. You're going to have some good stakes races out at Del Mar and a lot of turf racing going on. And then at Churchill Downs, you have the Clark Handicap, Bravazo, Draft Pick, Mosito Rojo, Mr. Buff, Mr. Freeze, Roadster, Seeking the Soul, Tom's the Atat, Owendale, Snapper Sinclair, and Blue Ridge Traveler. Those last three are maybes. So... Good racing coming up next weekend. Like from a stake standpoint, there's not nearly as much this weekend. We're going to get to uh, Del Mar Friday in just a moment. But Santa Anita winter spring dates have been approved, but with conditions. So I'm going to be reading from a DRF article that Steve Anderson posted. Santa Anita will race sparingly, if at all, in inclement conditions during its winter spring meet that begins on December 26th and will not run claiming races for values of less than 10000 According to terms announced at Thursday's CHRB meeting, the racing board approved Santa Anita's racing license by a 5 0 vote, contingent on several restrictions different. We have an agreement that in periods of inclement weather, when the track will be deemed unsafe, there will be no training or racing. The whole idea is to protect safety and horses during inclement weather situations. We won't race or train on racetracks that are deemed unsafe. Remember earlier this year, 13 days were canceled after all of the fatalities. The season is scheduled for 104 racing dates, but will be reduced by 12 day undetermined dates as a part of an agreement reached this year. Days lost to inclement weather could count towards the total, along with canceled days because of lack of available runners. There is concern that Santa Anita will have difficulty conducting racing on a four race on a four day per week schedule. Santa Anita eliminated racing on Thursdays and primarily ran three days a week during the time last year when the horse population was low. They've also eliminated $8,000 claiming races, which have run occasionally in the recent past. Restrictions on limiting short-term activity for horses injected with steroids. Um, Two-year-olds of 2020 will not be treated with Lasix, a restriction that was announced earlier this year. Santa Anita will not run sprints on the hillside turf course. They're exploring the exploring the installation of a synthetic surface on the main track or the infield training track. Remember, they had the uh, the synthetic pro ride that did not go well. I like to see the the changes though. These are rules that are necessary, and we all want the same thing. We all want the safety of the horses. I love horse racing. But I'm not going to sugarcoat things. I will never kiss its ass and act like everything is great. There are a lot of problems. There are a lot of issues. I love wrestling. The same thing. I love football. The same thing. I love baseball. They have issues. Every sport has issues. They need to be discussed. They need to be tackled head on. If you act like they don't exist, that does no good for you. So... I'm speaking out of love when I say I'm glad that they've made changes. I've been preaching this for a while that the people making the decisions at Santa Anita and at most racetracks and in most places of power in horse racing are not the right people that should be making the decisions because they don't look at the greater good. They look at what's best for themselves and for their pocketbook, which sure, that happens in more than racing. It happens all over the place. But we need someone or some a few people out there that are thinking about the, the good. The good of everyone. The good of the better. The better gets screwed repeatedly in horse racing, and right, and the and that's and that sucks. But this is fifty times worse than a better getting, uh, getting the short end of takeout. This is the well-being of horses, and I'm glad that we have made some improvements now to figure things out. And at least, I at least I feel like these changes are positive and moving in the right direction. Before we get to the Del Mar Friday races, remember they're they're off the turf on Friday. They just announced it uh, for Del Mar. Want to let you know about one of the sponsors of That's What G Said podcast, Cindy Carava, full service realtor, moving, changing homes, buying, leasing, selling, 
That stuff is difficult, it's frustrating, there are a million different factors that go into it, there's always something that you're forgetting, you're not crossing your T's or dotting your I's, that's why you need to call Cindy Carava, send her an email, cindyc.realtor at gmail.com, visit her website, cindycarava.com. She can help you with buying, with leasing, with selling. If you're someone who just wants to improve your home, maybe you, you're... You're thinking, hey, we can upgrade a little bit. She can help introduce you to painters, to landscapers, to gardeners that she's used in her own home. She can help you if you're someone who needs a little help getting pre-approved for a loan. She'll introduce you to the lenders. Maybe you're someone who you're just curious, how much is our home worth? Has it gone up? Has it gone down? Contact Cindy Carava. She'll give you a free market analysis. I generally throw in... The sponsor commercials for Cindy During the horse racing discussion Because a lot of you know the name Carava is is, uh, Jack Carava, the trainer Who has been a mainstay on the Southern California circuit For 30 plus years I've known Cindy for over a decade She is one of the nicest, sweetest Most genuine people you will ever meet She is honest She'll tell you exactly what you need to do She'll help you out in any way And she'll make you feel very, very comfortable She'll take this load completely off your hands If you don't want to take my word You can look it up You can find her on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube There are reviews about her on Yelp or on Zillow If you go to her website, cindycaraba.com You can find all of the contact information there You can look at some of the listings She is... Covering all parts of San Gabriel Valley So right around Santa Anita um, Parts of North San Diego County Which is Del Mar, Solana Beach Rancho Santa Fe Anything at all In the field of real estate Full service realtor Cindy Carava Make sure to send her that email CindyC.realtor at gmail.com And make sure to let her know That uh, that Gino sent you Tell her I said hello CindyCarava.com Okay, let's close things out with uh, some Del Mar for Friday, November the 22nd. Get your past performances out. They are off the turf course. They have already announced they are off the turf course for Friday at Del Mar. Uh, They moved all three turf races to the main track. So I won't spend a ton of time in those races, unfortunately, because I don't really know what the fields are going to look like, who's going to scratch, who's going to stay in. We'll kind of give some overall thoughts. Race number one. Uh, I like Piriano. This is just not a strong field. The blinkers are off. So I think if you're looking for a horse, like in your early exotics, I would I would lean towards Piriano, who I just think is the best horse in this field and should improve on the stretch out a little bit. Might be able to get a little bit closer and then relax with the blinkers coming off. So Piriano, I'd look to in race number one. Second race is the is the grass race, so it, it's just difficult to get a gauge on on who's going to stay in this field. I liked Big Hoof Dynamite, but I, not as much on the dirt So pretty tough to handicap a race That's now off the grass When you don't know who's going to be in it Let's go to the third race I like the one in here Rare find Now Sarah Lynn is absolutely the one to beat I'm not trying to tell you to play against Sarah Lynn If you're playing in some early exotics This is probably even a place where you'd look to single in the pick 5 But I think Rare Find does have a shot in here Coming out of a race with a couple next out winners She had a slow start in her debut And she just never had a shot But she really did make up some ground late She was in a race behind Gingham That's the same horse who actually defeated Sarah Lynn And I think Rare Find should improve now Second time out And maybe she just doesn't have to be so far back With that slow start If she can be a little bit closer Sarah Lynn's going to be really, really tough in here I would just use those two If you're playing like a pick five Or if you're playing exotics The one and the six Sarah Lynn Monster debut Actually looked like she was going to win I I wouldn't say it's disappointing Because she lost to a horse who had some experience But she did take the lead And looked like she was going to kick on So I don't know if she's like Unbeatable That's why you look to rare find If you're looking for the, a little bit of value In this third race So the one I think to include I wouldn't necessarily just single Sarah Lynn I, I would use one in six here um, In race number three The fourth race is another grass race Now I'm just going to mention the one Delp Because I I think he might stay in If this race is removed from the grass He was a decent third last time out And if you It's more I think it's more important for him to be going long Than it is for him to be on the grass or the dirt Because he's shown some ability on the dirt as well Last time out It it wasn't a bad effort 
Toss the sprints, give Delp a shot here in this race that's now going to be taken off the grass. The fifth race looks like a good spot for a first-time starter, and I think Extractor is the one in here. Corner has an excellent success with first-time starters, a nice steady tab for Extractor. Who scares you in this field? Carnelian Hero is the obvious one to beat. I think Extractor has a big, big shot in here to steal this race. So we're going to have Extractor, the six, as the one to play in here, as the horse to beat. And I think you can make a win wager on Extractor if you can get around that three to one morning line. But mainly, I might use him as a as like an alternative single to Carnelian Hero in a race where a lot of people will probably just key in on the three. Sixth race, mile on the main. And I like the six in here, Caressa. Now, I played Caressa on August the 22nd. She was one of my plays of the day. And she won that race. And she was actually, I won't say lucky, but she was able to benefit because the heavy favorite missed the break. And so that completely changed the complexion of the race. I think Caressa ran so well that day that she probably would have beat that favorite. The key for her was stretching out. Her first two races sprinting were not great, but she faced some really nice horses. In her debut, she faced three next out winners, and she was one of five next out winners on the April 12th race. Then she comes back on August the 22nd, stretches out, Wins nicely. And then last time out, she was in tight early. She got squeezed back. Durlu was able to get the jump on her. And Caressa was right up on terms with Durlu at the top of the lane. But then she was she tired just because she had to work a little bit after the slow start just to get into contention. Whereas Durlu was able to just kind of sit in that nice spot. So I think Caressa, make sure to include in all of your exotics there in race number six, the number six, Caressa. And, you know, if you're thinking about playing a win wager or any type of late exotics, she might be a horse that I would single because she's probably not going to be better, you know, like if she's over five to two at three to one, I'd better to win. But I think she might be more of like a two to one shot that you want to just kind of single in and maybe key in in some of your late exotics. The seventh race, I'll mention three horses in here. On paper, there's a lot of speed. She's a factor is quick. Velvet Queen is quick. Claudel is very quick. Dearborn's not going to be far in here. Even a horse like Woe Nessie has some speed. They can show if they want. Um, Katoka, incredibly lucky, doesn't have to be far. So you go through this field and there's a ton of speed. It should set up beautifully for Mongolian Empire, who looks like she's one of the real true only closers in this race. And some of her races, she just never has a shot if she gets too far back and she's behind. You'll notice she was also in that Durlu Caressa race. Uh, back on October the 6th, didn't really get up much pace to run at. I think this is a really good spot for Mongolian Empire with all the speed signed on. So we're going to put the 7 Mongolian Empire on top. I'll make a win wager on Mongolian Empire if you can get anything over 5-1. to one. And then if you're playing any late exotics, the other horses I would include. The 5, Wonesi. She might be able to sit a great trip. Look back on that April 20th race. At Santa Anita when she's going a mile on the turf course and she just sat right off. Now cutting back to seven furlongs, I don't think she's going to be as quick as some of the others in here. Should have a little bit of bottom on the cutback. That is whoa, Nessie. And the nine. Incredibly lucky. Just with her running style, she showed last time that she doesn't need to be right on the lead. She can sit off the pace just a bit. That's that's the key sometimes, just not getting caught up in the pace battle. Just being able to take back off ever so slightly. And I think Incredible Lucky, one you want to include in all of your exotics. So I have seven, five, nine in here. We'll take a shot against uh, um, some of the shorter price horses in this spot. But let's go with the seven on top, Mongolian Empire, and a win wager on that one. And unfortunately, the eighth race is also taken off the grass. But the horse that I like in the eighth race, I think might be okay if the race does stay on, or if the race, uh, the eighth race is taken off the grass. The horse I like will be okay going a mile on the on the dirt, and that's Ride Sally Ride the five. Blinkers off for Ride Sally Ride. Last out was going a mile on the grass, and it was not a bad effort. Two back the race going six and a half furlongs on the main was the race that I really like. 
Last time out, she got right up on terms, even terms with Navy Queen, and then faded. But Ride Sally Ride, when she finished fourth on October 19th, she was fourth, but she was second best. What do I mean by that? Well, she finished fourth, but she was the only horse who took a shot to try to win the race. She was sitting close, she moved up, she tried to go at the leader, and that one pulled away. And the others who passed her late, they were a non-threatening second and third, and they just passed her late because Ride Sally Ride was a little bit tired trying to go by the leader. I like Ride Sally Ride. I think she takes another step forward. Maybe she can relax with the blinkers coming off a little bit, so she's close, but she's not necessarily pulling. So if she stays in this race because it's off the grass now, keep an eye on Ride Sally Ride and make sure to include her in your exotics. I don't know what the morning, the odds are going to be or anything like that because I, who knows what's gonna, who's going to stay in some of these grass races. But Ride Sally Ride, give a, a big look to there. So unfortunately, the Del Mar card got hit a bit by the scratches. So the, uh, the grass races, we don't know, but hopefully we can steer you in the right direction in a few other spots. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. Make sure to head on over to YouTube. Uh, Look up That's What G Said Podcast on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel. You will get every episode. You can subscribe on SoundCloud, on iTunes. Head on over to iTunes. Leave us a nice five-star rating and review. They help us move up the charts, and they literally put money right in my pocket. And don't forget about our sponsors, a couple sponsors of this episode. SarahCandles.com. Get to SarahCandles.com. Use that promo code GINO for 10% off. CindyCarava.com, full-service realtor, anything that you need in the field of real estate, Cindy Carava. And then Thrive Fantasy, Thrive Fantasy, download the app, use the promo code GINO. When you deposit $10, you'll get a $10 bonus right back. Thanks to the sponsors of That's What G Said. Thanks to all of you for listening. Hope we make some money. We'll be back with another episode very quickly. So make sure to look for the next episode, which will go through our Sunday NFL plays. We're going to talk a little NBA basketball. We will uh, give out some horse racing thoughts for Sunday as well and uh, some recaps of the morning show. Tune in the next episode of That's What G Said. Joey, my friend, happy birthday and take it away.